Okay. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce you to Nicole Collard. Uh, like the superfood, as she, um, I was like, how do you say your last name? She's like, Collard, like the superfood. Is that, wait, superfood, super green, right? Yeah, Collard yeah. Greens. Collard Green. Um, I, uh, let's see. I just had to start pressing record and now I'm just gaining uh, my bearings on where to start because we were already having some juicy conversations before this. And I'm like, wait, wait, we have to stop because I need to record this so we can include everyone else in on this. But one of the things that um, I really wanted to chat with Nicole about was just broadening this perspective on like, okay, how do you empower an empath? What does that even mean? What does that look like? And let's have a conversation about it. And um, when you go on Nicole's website, I love, I was just telling her before I pressed the record that she has such a cool video about just introducing herself and her story of how she even came to this work. Um, and actually something I just want to say was when you were talking about, like this really speaks to me, when you were talking about the challenge, your story about, let's say you had mono for a year and this, this whole journey about getting into your body and how, when you finally found this way to get into your body, it was really painful. And from my perspective as an empath who I didn't know I was empath for the longest time, the journey of, I, I feel like it's going from the head to the heart, the journey of getting into my body has been long and challenging and painful and it continues of course and for me my way of getting out of the body was people pleasing was unconscious eating um was sort of like energetically spinning my wheels and sort of doing energetic donuts without really sinking into my heart and truly sharing space with somebody else so um maybe we could start off a little bit with that, with, with your, how, what you want to speak to about your journey, getting into your body. Okay. And why well, that matters. Yeah. Well, our body is where our power is. <laughs> so if you're feeling impotent or like you're not affecting change to the level that you desire, it's because you're not accessing some of the innate incredible power that we have within. And there's good reason for that. A lot of times we're scared of the power. We've seen it misused by gurus or our, our parents We've seen rage and we're just like, mm, not interested in that, but there's yeah. a way to do it safely. There's a way to be responsible. There's a way to be egalitarian in our use of power. That's mm. and I think being an empath is the key to being able to manage that much power responsibly. And I really What's want that word egalitarian. Sorry to just pause really fast. Cause I don't know that word. What's egalitarian where everyone's on an equal worth. There's not just the guru and the subject. Right. It's we all matter. Our every every angle is important, and everyone can learn from everything and everyone's perspective. Mm. I love that. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. Keep no, going. I just wanted no to put that in there. I wanted to honor your methods of handling your empathy before you realized what it was. Um, those were great tactics, and they're effective. You learn them at a young age, and and then when you were realizing. I would like something to work a little better when you realize mm. there could be some other possibilities. 
Yeah. When we, when we don't manage our empathy, like it is so common to use food or other addictions, you know, whatever our society or culture deems acceptable, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll do it. And being busy, being outer focused rather than dealing with all the discomfort within, because unless we've really done our inner work, it's really painful to run that much energy inside yeah. and to feel. And yeah, being, being embodied, it's still something I work on. I recently just did something that was like a whole another like level, I'm like, boom. And maybe it's just as important as everything else I've done. But right now it's the latest piece in the puzzle where I'm like, Ooh, major up level. This is oh awesome. Oh my God. I'm so curious. What was the new piece that you added? I started eating raw vegan. Oh, wow. That's not, um, necessarily easy or popular or feasible for people. And I've really explored it from so many angles. I was raised where that was not healthy. That was a very unhealthy way to live. And mm -hmm. so, you know, another phase in me unlocking my conditioning is to realize, you know, I explored it first. I, I you know, looked into behind the curtain of this isn't bad or this is bad for you. Don't look over here to, you know, find like, wow, people have been eating this way for 50 years and they're really healthy. And all these people are like, they're not having any of these dire circumstances that I was told would happen. And, and learning about how to reset my microbiome, how to rebuild it healthily. So I'm absorbing everything. And um, it's been amazing. It's been so, so good. I, I was really shocked how much of the inner voices that I've lived with my whole life were actually not just voices or entities, but actually literal voices from my microbiome critters. Mm -hmm. You know, we're more not us than we are us. Yeah. So it was really interesting. Like I have no cravings because those things that craved it are no longer a part of my body. Oh my God. I and, love that. And I actually, right after I did, uh, a juice fast to really cleanse the microbiome and clear out the films so that I could absorb everything and rebuild my digestive system. Cause it's, it's a muscle. We actually yeah. have to rebuild it to work properly because uh, the processed food doesn't work it out. doesn't strengthen it. It right. dampens it. But yeah, then I was led for a parasite cleanse and mm. I haven't been angry for a long time. And when I was in the kill phase of that, mm. Um, parasite cleanse who was livid like fury level angry wow. and I'm like this isn't me <laughs> and it was just so clear what was me what was not and watching it flush away in a couple days I'm just like that was fascinating and I can't believe how many of those voices that I thought were me were actually not me but in me and literal of me that was just mind-blowing experience and um Things like I always thought when I saw people who ate super healthy, I'm like, oh, how boring. And it's mm -hmm. just like, I mean, you don't have any cravings for the stuff. And so like your food energizes you. You're not all your energy isn't spent trying to digest stuff. Um, so yeah, I've, I've just been really freed on a different level from that. And I like to share it with people because sometimes doing our inner work and our embodiment work and addressing our core wounds <laughs> doing the deep energetic work within us is kind of daunting. And while I think it's, it's still needed, like if you can get this big of a boost from just what you're eating, I'm like kind of easier for me, but maybe it's not, maybe I needed to do all of my deep shadow work, heal the core wounds, 
work through my attachment systems and relationships to get to where it like, oh, this next step, well, it's super easy and and really helping me. I was the last thing I needed to really take off. So Okay. That's totally something I was you like read my mind what I wanted to speak to because I have heard of of someone else. Actually it was Jessa Reed who went through something similar when she got um she got she's a comedian awakening person like uh uh what do you call it an unconventional visionary like a former meth addict turned like you know talking about consciousness into a microphone comedian all this stuff but, well, but listen to her team. She, she's amazing but she um she talked about how she got Lyme's disease and the the cleanse that she the different cleanses she was doing to get rid of it and she was talking about the the parasitic like feeling the voices of the parasite in her body. And she's the first person I heard speak to um, the give voice to the concept that we have so many different pieces of consciousness living within us, especially depending on what we've eaten or what we've been bitten by. And um, I also think like listening to her and listening to you talk about it, like there's a certain, in order for a person and actually tying this back to empowering empaths in order for a person to be able to have the discernment to know when you are feeling so much rage and to have that intuitive knowing or, or intuitive hit of like, Oh my God, this isn't me. This isn't my energy. That's such an important baseline for these next level things that we do with it's changing our diet or whatever. And I think that's one of the things that I want to speak to today because there are I, my sense going forward for all of us is I think one of, if not the most important thing for us to dial in going forward and we can all only do it each ourselves is this deep connection to our own intuition. So like what is going to be my next right step is going to be different from my husband's next right step, from your next right step. And to do that work to kind of parse out the, the, the preconditioned programming of there's five right ways to do wellness or there's five right ways to eat in the world or to say hello to a stranger. It's like, no, no, this is all intuitively led. And I mean, even down to um, food, there's different, different bodies need different foods and different bodies will like listening to your body tune into my body and listen to my body when my body says, I want to eat this, or I don't want to eat this. In order to listen to those voices, there's a certain level of empowerment work, empowering of our own voice as someone who's deeply sensitive, listening to what is our voice and what were the preconditioned voices, those like repetitive old thought forms playing in the background that we thought were ours, but they aren't actually ours. So tell me like, Let's let's riff on that for a second. What does that bring up for you? Oh, the the intuitive discernment is so key, so powerful. Um, and that became very clear by eating uh, the raw vegan. Now, like my own intuition cleared up immensely. Like it was clear and and good, but I was clearer for other people. Right. So you know, definitely like trusted what I told other people for them was 
was way easier than for me. I just always felt like there was a little muddled. There was, there was a screen like, like I'm too close. Maybe I just thought it was my ego in the way. Um, and, and yeah, clearing up cause our, um, digestive system is our second brain. It's mm-hmm. produced so many neurochemicals and neurotransmitters, um, that there is, there is a lot of clarity to be gained by having our digestive system working well. And, you know, Ayurvedic principles teach that that's, you know, the first place where illness starts or, you know, any confusion or dis-ease within mm-hmm. the system. And so, yeah, there are, um, there are so many, so many tools for discernment. And one thing I always tried to do is to decondition, um, whether it was from my religious upbringing or how I was programmed to view relationships or, or those other things. I was always trying to decondition and, um, I loved using, and I still love using human design I'm about seven years into my experience mm-hmm. in design and, uh, using my body as, as like the main source of wisdom for me and my design, it was really helpful to tune in to learn that I could trust my gut, that maybe I could work through some things, but for, for, you know, exactly how I was and, and how I was capable of handling the outside world, you know, what my body was telling me was accurate for that time. So that's always been my process to like decondition to, you know, not be able to get hooked or and thrown right. around by right. different, whether it's someone's mood or whether it's a transit in the, by the celestial bodies or just the collective energy. And I'm sure like, you know, most empaths were hit pretty hard during COVID. Like there was just, it was just like a fear soup and you're just like, this isn't me, but you know, this is part of my collective and I want them to feel better and okay. And, you know, working we pass a lot of energy through us when we're that open and whether it's because we're an empath in human design or we're highly sensitive in some way or neurodivergent or because we have CPTSD and we just have very hypervigilant systems. Like there's so many ways that we are super sensitive and oversensitive to be able to function in this world because it, you know, and, and obviously it's like, instinctive to try to deaden ourselves, numb ourselves, suppress ourselves so that we don't, so we can handle, so we can handle the world because you can't function when you're in that much pain. And so I really honor, you know, all yours, all mine, everyone's methods to cope. And, um, you know, just that there are, there are ways that are super constructive and in alignment with your values and the goals and desires that you have that can be really productive ways to handle the amount of sensitivities that are going on. So let's, let's get specific because I love, um, I love human design too, by the way, like a uh, super quick side note. One of the things I love about human design is it speaks to someone's, uh, energy, like almost like a call and response. Like it gives you like a blueprint. Uh, if you haven't heard of human design, I just was introduced to it like three years ago. Um, of like when your energy is like this, here's a blueprint to go forward. When your energy is like this, here's a blueprint to not. Um, so it's like such a, it's such a useful tool. Um, and what are some, let's play with some ideas of um, when you, okay. Because one of the the pitfalls that I think was big for me um, coming up sensitive without really understanding it 
was just feeling so much at one time without mm -hmm. like um knowing which door to walk through to find my own voice to find my own dessert discernment um and then something we talked about even before i press record was like keeping it playful keeping it lighthearted like doing this work while also living in this modern world um so let, let's see how about what are some things that like someone can just like turn this podcast off after it's over and just go kind of test drive a couple of like maybe your your tools or just um that anyone can just go and try right off the bat just to like try on like they're trying on something in a dress room to see like if this works for me when I'm you know talking with my kid and it's a really challenging conversation or my partner or like even it's like stranger at the grocery store where it's like oh my energy just like tensed up and I don't know why like what are some ways that you have found that are uh accessible to really anyone starting at any point along their path yeah. Starting at any point, I would say, go get your human design reading mm -hmm. There's free charts all over the place. I'm happy to hook you up with that. And I think it's integral to see how you operate. I really fell in love with human design because the first time it gave a, a blueprint and a vocabulary and a context to what I sensed energetically. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. there's a whole world already formatted of what I sense. Like, this is so cool. So they gave me a lot of connecting points. Um, seeing how your energy relates to your significant other, your kids, your parents uh, is fascinating and it depersonalizes it. So you quit taking offense and, and it just lets you know, like, oh, maybe this person at the grocery store, like is triggering something, just an energetic connection, or maybe my body's being super smart and I can just honor this tensing, like, hmm, maybe they're not safe, uh, but I could still co-create safely, you know, without uh, locking in. Oh, pause right there. That is an interesting point is like, how do you, cause I've, I've thought about this multiple times. Like when you send someone who isn't safe for you specifically at that moment in time, doesn't mean that they aren't quote unquote unsafe or they, like, I, I love that we're redefining the label of toxic people. Cause it's like, okay, that person isn't necessarily like a toxic person. Maybe they are wounded and, and the way that they are reflecting back to me, I'm like, okay, I don't want to go play with that person right now right it would be hurtful to me but this idea of co-creating safely how do you can you speak to that piece yeah and I'll start with um my my son has the same DNA the same the same build physically as people that I experienced abuse from growing up mm. so even when he was born I was like oh we're going to need to be friends because I can already tell I'm going to be scared of you when you're bigger. <laughs> wow. And even, um, you know, kind of overnight when my son hit, started going through puberty, my nervous system would freeze up. And I'm wow. like, what is going on? I'm going to get to the bottom of this because mm -hmm. I'm going to have a good relationship with my son. But it necess wasn't necessarily safe for me to relate to him. Like mm -hmm. I had have stuff come in, repressed memory started surfacing wow. because he was, you know, that tr constant trigger was flushing things up. You can't really relate to someone when you're triggered and taken back in time from a flashback. 
And it wasn't someone at the store, right? That I could just like, yeah, just avoid that. So this was something where I really had to dig in and learn how to manage my empathy in a deeper way and learn how to heal. And so I, I, you know, it was, it was a relentless drive for me to get to the bottom, to be completely thorough and to learn. And it got to the point where I could, I learned how to like write things down, like, oh, that trigger's coming up. I'm going to get back to you, trigger. I promise I've set aside three hours <laughs> this, this week or an hour each day. <laughs> like, mm. we'll go through this. Um, but that when I learned how to set the things aside, like, okay, body and emotional system, like, we're, I'll get back to this. Thank you so much for coming up, letting me know that you're there. I'm going to shelf you for now because I actually have to go to the store and purchase things. And sometimes I had to actively dissociate in order to function in the world. Uh, otherwise, like there was one point where I was really raw, fresh processing a ton of stuff that just erupted for me. And I had to dissociate in order to function. And, and it broke my heart because I'd worked so hard to be present <laughs> in my body <laughs> and associated mm -hmm. to realize like, I can either stop hysterically while going through Costco or mm -hmm. I can associate and get back to this. Mm -hmm. and, and so like, you know, I apologize to myself in advance, but I'm like, mm. oh, I need to get through this <laughs> and not, I even had to have uh, my daughter had driven me to the store because I wasn't in driving mm -hmm. capability mode from this fresh thing that surfaced. And so, yeah, it. It is a lot of learning how to process, learning how to heal your own wounds. And for me, a simple thing is putting it to the shelf when it comes up, writing it down so you won't forget about it, and then going back to it and either and dealing with it however you know how. It could be meditation. Um, there's plenty of EFT uh, free tutorials, um, alignment techniques. Like there's a lot of free resources on how to do your own energy work nowadays. What would you and suggest people Google? Like EFT? Because that's, am I right? that Emotional EFT is freedom technique. Right. Yeah, working your mm -hmm. acupressure points. So you're doing, you're working with your body mechanically. You're sending a wave mm -hmm. to your body. Um, and it also, it's a way to meet your, your sensitivities and tell it like, it's okay. You're kind of strengthening them. You're strengthening them by kind of like working them out. Like, mm -hmm. yep, this is this is impacting us. Um, mm. So I think EFT is a good one because so much um, toxic positivity is passed on in the new age movement and the self-help world. Yes. So it's important to address, oh like, you know what? All of these feelings are valid. All of them are real. All of them have a purpose and a flavor and a color to your world, add passion and energy. And there's a way to use it properly. I really love when I was going through a hard time, um, I was working working in retail. I was an assistant manager, manager, um, was just not, uh, helpful to me. I would express what I needed. And then she kind of used that as a weapon, like withholding. I'm like, okay. And then would berate me for not being vulnerable and opening up to her. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I would just go to work with so much anxiety. And I started circulating the energies through the microcosmic orbit that's taught in Taoism, Montauk Chia stuff. And I started just circulating the I energy, that. the emotion. So that is coming typically up from your, well, it typically, typically starts at your perineum. Mm -hmm. So crotch coming up the back to your tailbone, mm -hmm. circulating all the way up 
breathing it down to uh, between your pubic bone and your navel mm-hmm. and stashing it there, or you can just circulate. Now this, this way up the back and down the front's the fire movement. So action and yang orientation. If you need to cool down and soothe, you're going to breathe up the front and down the back. And that was so helpful to me. I created a whole course of emotional fluency so that people could learn how to titrate their emotions. Like, okay, I see this despair coming and I see I've stashed you in the dungeon for decades (laughs) and now you're coming out and it's a stampede towards the door, but we're going to slow this down. Everyone's going to exit one person at a time so no one gets hurt and make it manageable. And even to learn the truth, like, why did I, you learn so much about yourself when you feel your emotions. Why did I feel despair? Well, darn straight, I felt despair. That was an intense thing. And then you can also always send that age of yourself or that version of yourself, that younger you, Mm -hmm. whatever resources they need in the moment. Mm -hmm. Our memories are completely plastic. Every time we think about them, we change them. So use that to our advantage send our younger self and whatever memory keeps coming up, mm-hmm. send that younger self all the resources they need. They could even, you can even jump into the memory and like, ah, I'm going to offer you, I'm going to hold you. I'm going to tell that person off for you. And <laughs> you know, you can change it however you want, or you can just resource yourself. You can turn it into a color like, Oh man, I wish, I wish I had more love in that moment. And you can just, if love were a color, boom, I'm going to send, that version of me, all that love and that color beam to them. Like there, there's so many ways to resource ourselves and to work through our emotions and to feel them, but to especially know, because a traumatic experience or when our stress response is triggered, when it's too much, too fast. Mm-hmm. So learning how to titrate the emotions, slow it down, learning how to circulate energy so it's not stagnant and stuck and festering. Uh, that all helps things start to move. And it's the motion that really is healing. Yeah. I And I not, not to um, diminish how healing, pausing things can be. Sometimes we just need to like pause right. a bubble around it. Just like how I would like tell these memories that were threatening to like completely overtake me. And so I couldn't function. Like, thank you for coming up, writing you down now. I'll get to you during my integration time scheduled for tomorrow and and work through you then like and that would pause it that would keep it at bay it's like okay we will be addressed we can wait and you know so there there is so much wisdom in being able to like toggle between mm-hmm. <laughs> pause action yin yang uh, and going back and forth and you had talked before about um you know, being able to you be in the world and have you know our fun galactic time mm-hmm. and we need fuel and that fuel is pleasure. And sometimes pleasure can bring up a lot of guilt depending on our conditioning, uh, but learning to use pleasure and even mundane things as fuel to keep going. In our healing journey, we can get really bogged down. It can be really intense. So we need some fun times and that can yeah. be playing with your kid. You can be watching a TV show. There are just so many ways. Sometimes we need to check out by watching TV because like, whoa, that's coming hot and heavy. I need to slow it down. And so just knowing um, that we are all in control of how we process things. We can slow it down. We can speed it up. We can heal instantly. It doesn't need to take a long time. 
but we can also slow the journey down. So it's doable. So it's enjoyable. You don't want to sprint your marathon and maybe you can, maybe you can do all the Huberman hacks, right. And you can sprint your marathon, but for those of you that that's not your thing, you can slow it down to meet your body. Um, just like I'm a yoga teacher as well. Mm -hmm. And yoga is to meet your body where you are that day, not to force your body to match these poses and look like this. Like right. it's to serve and help you. You don't have to fix yourself, be different than you are or do anything you're not able to do. You just know that you're perfect as you are and these things will meet you where you are and, and you can shift so that things are comfortable. So, because once we feel safe, just like on a yoga mat, if your body feels safe for the pose that you're gonna put it in, it will let you go really deep and it will open up. But if you're going too fast, too hard for something that's not ready, for, it's going to brace itself. Yeah. Like, totally. Same with the emotional healing and the things that we're learning galactically. And then the important thing is to just keep your sovereignty. Remember that you're sovereign. Don't turn your power over to anyone, not because you think they know more or because they have more gifts, but like, no, you've got everything you need within yourself and you'll know your path that you need to take. But taking it out of love, not because you're broken, but just because you love yourself and this looks like a fun adventure. You said before we were talking, um, you have a free resource on your yeah. website and you were describing that before we started recording. And I love how you described it as um what was it, the sun in your orbit. Can you can you say what you said before? And then yeah. I, yeah. So sorry, go ahead. So that is a great resource that is perfect or empaths or and highly sensitive people because typically when we are sensitive we sell ourselves out and make everybody else's priority more important than ours and it's done with so much well-meaning but it's most beneficial for us and everyone in our lives when we stay in our own center and we let things orbit us instead of trying to jump into every orbit and manage it yeah. help it here, sweetie, I'm so much stronger than you are. Let me take this so you don't have to do it. Let me show you how you're actually supposed to do it. Um, you know, those sorts of things, because we're really good at seeing what would create more harmony, what would be more um, a beneficial way for people to function. We are super good at seeing that. And so it's really easy to just jump in, micromanage, mm -hmm. you know, step out of our sovereignty and our place of, of safety and even safety for that another person to be in a relationship to us. Cause it's really, it's really um, separating and distancing when we try to advise people or like, you know, let me tell you how this is done. Cause I know better, like it puts distance between us. And so if we stay in our center, know that they can get it. But by staying in our center, um, you know, if, if we are the sun in our own story, then we're going to let everything else in our relationship, be it our health, our work, our relationships, they're going to orbit us. Mm. and we don't have to jump into all those other orbits and tell it how it's done we help those orbits by staying in our lane I so love that, that. I love that imagery so much got a lot of kickback from the religious folk they didn't really like that, that one but it is oh, really helpful what was when, the kickback I'm curious just because it can seem so selfish or maybe even narcissistic to put yourself in the center of your own life um, right. but I found that to be the most important healthy way to live if you're full of your own energy rather than taking on other people's energy so that you can know what they're going to do and so that you can be safe 
you are safer because you're taking up all your own space. There isn't space for anything else to take up your space. You know what? That is a piece of um, healing and empowerment that I think is a pitfall and a trap, which is um, focusing on yourself. I call it sacred selfishness, focusing on yourself as the first priority. And then from there, speaking to others, doing your work from there, being with your kids, being with your partner. Um, it has in the past been labeled as narcissistic, as selfish, as um, uh, someone who's, tr quote, trying to find the limelight. And I, I this was a story that I, I dealt with for uh, many years and I'm still untangling it. And it's, it's so interesting to me because the more threads of that that I untangle the more that I see that this trap and I do think it's a trap is really interwoven into our culture and into our mainstream like with so my kids are 10 and 8 and so many of the like old movies sometimes we'll watch the old movies that my husband and I grew up on and I'm like oh my god no wonder I came from people pleasing culture because it is was literally downloaded into my psyche and yeah. And it's, it's fun to get such a distance from it. And the thing is, I wouldn't, I have to give myself credit. Like, I think that's another thing that heart centered, sensitive folks don't do enough of, for lack of better words, don't do enough of, but we need to do more of is giving ourselves credit of saying, oh my God, I, I did an amazing job getting from there to here. Oh my God. Good job, Jess, for doing X, Y, Z. And even like really talking to yourself and like, bolstering yourself. I mean, I tell people all, all the time that now I walk around the house talking to myself you're, you're all day. And I know that there's power in it when I'm starting to feel weird, when I'm like starting to judge myself for speaking my power, for speaking my voice and saying, or even looking in the mirror, like, Hey, Jess, I love you. Good job. That was really scary what you just did. And all of a sudden, like I can see and feel the inner critic being like, like, what are you doing? This is stupid. Who do you think you are? And it's like, holy crap. <laughs> that is becoming aware of that voice as not truth is, is I think really big in our empowerment journey and deciding not to say, sometimes we do. There's someone named David Bedrick who uh, pioneered this unshaming movement and his way of dealing with the inner critic is really to like stand up to it lies like the inner seeing the inner critic as an inner abuser and sometimes being very even rough with it saying, fuck you. I'm not listening to you. Get out of here and really refocusing away from it. So there's a lot of different ways to deal with the inner critic. Like it can be just gently moving away. And sometimes it can be like, you know, kind of taking a more sharp stand using that anger for the good of your whole system. So, um, Anyway, I don't know why I just went off on that tangent. I was speaking to something that you said. But I, think really the cool celebrate. I think it's a very important to celebrate. We have a negativity bias that's kept us alive and free from dangerous situations. So an evolutionary um, thing that's kept us alive. But, you know, when we're discarding the 97% of what went well and was great and Lou of focusing and usually hyper-focusing and fixating on the 3% that wasn't really right. Right. It leaves us, especially in our day and age, it's just not serving us anymore. So I think it's super imperative to celebrate. And in fact, this New Year's, I went to bed like eight 
8 p.m. Oh my god, good for you! And I just went to bed in celebration. I was thinking about all the incredible things this year because I'm a big proponent of celebrating, and and beyond gratitude. If if you can only get to gratitude, great. That's that's beautiful. I really like celebration because it brings this jaw to vive, you know, like mm. excitement and and thriving energy to it uh, beyond gratitude. But gratitude's great too. Um, so just celebrating, and then every time a firework would go off. It would bring me up out of sleep and I'd be like back into that celebratory state again. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm so grateful for this and this. Oh. And I just had, you know, a good four hours of just being in this euphoric celebratory state in, you know, between alpha and, and delta. That's powerful. <laughs> oh my God. And I woke up New Year's Day just completely euphoric. I was so oh. blissed out. So and we did have an X5 solar flare, which is intense and the strongest we've had this solar cycle. Mm-hmm. So that may be a part of it. I can't tell you which because they happen simultaneously, but you know I what? do make proponent of celebration. What like what you just said, I think is um, actually a great way for us to kind of start closing up our conversation because I see it tied this tied back into like um, your physical uh, sleep and then awake from the fire fireworks and then going back to sleep, like that wave of conscious and subconscious, um, weaving in that celebratory feeling, um, kind of tying that back into from the very beginning when we were talking about, um, our healing journey, how specific it is to each of us for sure. And how we can do all the quote unquote find all the quote unquote right things that we know are healing. Maybe it's eating, maybe it's running energy, maybe it's whatever. And then getting to the point where our capacity says, I can't weave that what I know to be nutritious in right now. I'm going to need to dissociate and quote how some people say, go to sleep. Right. And in, in, I, I do like the term asleep and awake in spiritual circles, because I just think it's it's a very distilled, very simple way to speak to the conscious and subconscious weaving in and out and how it's not bad. Like it's not bad. It's just weaving. And so kind of tying that back into just that beautiful example of you going to sleep and waking up and going to sleep and waking up. Um, I just, I just love that as an example of sort of like unshaming this, what can feel sometimes like a, like a heavy burden of healing our past and waking up to new paradigms. And sometimes it feels daunting as fuck and being like, you know what? I'm going to go to sleep right now. I'm going to go watch TV. I'm going to go whatever, whatever the old pattern is for you. And then waking back up again. And it's in a moment of, okay, I can digest this piece. So yeah, that feels, what do you, what do you say about that as we sort of close out our conversation? really like how you ended with digest because what I kept hearing was I'm consuming this work and this integration work and healing journey and then I'm full and it's time to mm. not eat anymore and it's time yeah. to digest and all all phases and stages are necessary and part of the process I like that I like that a lot um okay so beautiful uh, that went by insanely fast I had said hey we're gonna chat for like 30 minutes and um actually I don't even know how how long it's been but uh thank you so so much for coming on and speaking that was an insanely wealth of information when I listen back to this I'm gonna try to 
pinpoint, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to, but all the different resources that I'll, I'll just speak to the listener. Nicole gave so many different ideas and resources that, um, not to be overwhelming, but if any of them just shined, shined, shown, shown out to you as a nutritious movement, as a nutritious additive to just like play with, um, I would say don't try to do everything or cram everything in. She's a wealth of knowledge, obviously, but just whatever felt like kind of playful, filled with ease, just whatever felt kind of exciting to play with, I'd say go with that. And then um, check her out. Where can people find you and connect with you? Uh, mainly my website, Nicole-Collard.com. And um, I have a little bit on Instagram I'm trying to get back on social media, but I think as empaths, you know, it's like, it's not the most fun playground. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, come to my website and you're welcome to email me. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely get back to you. And I have so enjoyed this connection. Jess, it was great to get to speak with you. You have beautiful <laughs> energy. And I so love how you talked about just to find something to play with because mm. play is the most healing thing I've come across. Mm. Perfect. That's a mic drop. We'll, we'll end right there. Thank you so much. And to everyone else, I will see you next week. Mwah.